On this edition of the Farm and Garden Show, host Elizabeth Archer speaks with Casey O'Neill of Happy Day Farm. First, as y'all know, because you listened to KZYX, it's the pledge drive. So before we jump into the interview, um, thank you so much. First of all, Casey, when I asked you over a month ago if you would join me on the pledge drive show, which is daunting for some, you immediately and enthusiastically said yes. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't Casey... In a way, a co-host of this show, That's at least for the right. last couple of months, because we've been running your podcast, Living with the Land, which you do with your brother Lito, as the alternate week with Elizabeth's show. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, I, I've been appreciating that a lot. And so just the, the idea that you, that you were willing to put the pod I felt so great to me. So I was more than happy to be on the show. And, and also, I mean, Farm and Garden Show, like... You're my doppelganger. You are. You're one half of the Farm and Garden Show right now. So this is very, very awesome. appropriate. Fun, fun kind of behind the scenes about the living with the land, of course, is that it's a podcast. So it's not FCC compliant. So to get it ready for air, there were a lot of bleeps. <laughs> I had to go through it and bleep. But you know what? It was great. It was great. A lot of Casey swear words. Thank Loved you, Alicia, it. For, yeah. for going through and editing it. Oh, thank you so much for letting us letting us air it. It was just such an incredible gift. What the two shows together, Elizabeth, your show, and Casey, your podcast together, I have gotten such an extraordinary depth of understanding about the farming community in Mendocino County. I mean, like, it's... It's so, you've just fleshed out this like community that spans all of these watersheds throughout the region and the challenges and the vision and, uh, and all of the, the conversations that everybody's having. I just feel so much closer to the farming and the farmers and the, the new generations of farmers that are working to create something here in the age of the collapse of, you know, the cannabis industry everything. And, and everything else, uh, climate, all of it. So I just I'm I'm so grateful for both of your programs. And, and and Elizabeth, you're you're kind of branching out a little bit on these fifth Thursdays as well. Yeah, my special fifth Thursday shows. You've done some well, really hard hitting shows. Thank you. Um, we can certainly talk about those. Um, I'm happy to talk about them. Actually, I think they are very exciting. Uh, but I want to add to what you were saying before about how between Casey and myself, our shows are covering sort of this interesting breadth and depth of the Mendocino farming community. Casey is a farmer. As I say on every show, I am not a farmer. You're a beekeeper. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it is interesting to come at it from a farming perspective as well as a a non-farmer's perspective. So obviously the Farm and Garden Show is delightful. Um, I'm wondering, Casey, if you can talk about other shows on KZYX that you love and that, you know, pledge drives like this help us bring to, to the airwaves. Yeah, I think what's great about local radio is the, the breadth of programming. And so, like, I'm a big music guy. I like to tune in when there's music happening. Um, and then, you know, like I say, the Farm and Garden Show is, is my favorite. And, and then being able to, like tune in and hear hear our podcast on the, on the radio has just been just such a delight and the response from you know various people in the community like I show up at market and people are like oh I heard you on the radio earlier and I'm like oh and there's right. times where I'm like wait <laughs> what day is it what happened and I'm like oh yeah awesome living with the land and so it's been really cool I definitely I really appreciate it 
Well, I want to say, too, Alicia was being a little, you know, funny about the bleeps, but... You know, without Alicia and other folks that work at KZYX, I'm a volunteer. Casey, you're, you know, you're. I imagine you're not getting paid for your podcast, so that makes you a volunteer programmer, yeah. too. But, you know, KZYX operates with a lean but very mighty staff. And without Alicia beeping out your your cuss word <laughs> your podcast wouldn't have made it on the airwaves so we know people are appreciating this content we know you listening right now appreciate this content so you know give us some money the yeah. donation lines are open kzyx.org you can click the the little red donate button we we're talking about the big donate but it's just a little red it's donate little. button in the upper right hand corner it's all it's also on all of the web pages and all of the app pages you can get we're to not super, pushy super easy we're not pushy we just need your we money we just need your money <laughs> we are basically speaking into a vacuum i mean we get calls sometimes and i've honestly i've gotten handwritten letters which is so delightful yeah. Yeah. but a lot of times i don't know who's listening or if people are listening so yep. well, um, and people showing are, your love people are listening and uh people are being touched by the programming that you're doing and i just want to just say it because you already know it out there um Something's happening with the Farm and Garden Show. Something really special. This 3 o'clock hour on Thursday afternoons is uh, is a really special hour of programming mm, here on KZYX. It's too early to make me cry in the show, Alicia. <laughs> the folks who are bringing programming, Elizabeth and Casey, and I think we're going to talk about season two of Living with the Land. Um, and, and when we can expect, maybe, hopefully, maybe that. Um, but, you know, th this hour is full of heart it's full of important and hard-hitting issues that are affecting all of us and it's full of some of the hardest working people and their voices and you know what they're doing and and with living with the land sometimes the conversations that you get into about just the general philosophy about what we're doing in this place you know how we live in this place it's the most mendocino and the most loving conversation it's about the our survival and our relationship with the land and with each other and you know that's really at the heart of it that's what the farm and garden show is so something's happening here on thursday afternoons and you listen and you know as a listener what's going on and how special it is so you can go to kzyx.org click the donate button and we would love to hear from you alicia's such and, a pro I at this I appreciate the kind words, Alicia. And I, you know, I would add that I think one of the things that's so special about local radio is that it is, you know, it's, it's by the people for the people. And and so yeah. it's all it's it's been a joy for me, you know, over the years to be able to participate and and at various times, you know, in, in policy work, um, and you know, the various different hats that I've worn, and like to hear things go out on the radio and get response back from the radio, and and the ability of the community to kind of access information. Um, I think it's a it's a critical part of the you know the foundation of our communication systems within the county here, and so it is you know like everything it, it takes it takes funding to to make it happen, and so um, those contributions are are really key to, to to us being able to have you know the communication systems, the the information sharing, and and I think also the sharing of kind of the joy of of being here, of living here, and, and I think it's it's a pretty special thing. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the joy of being here, let's talk about you and how you came to be on the land that you farm. Uh, so I was born and raised um, 
folks moved up here in May of 1982, and I was born that September. And uh, so this has always been home. I, you know, I left for a few years to go to college and came back. And, and so this was always home but was never farm um, until around 2010. You know, before that, we had some little patches of wood and stuff. But really, 2010, I really started, you know, 2009, I started putting in some garden beds. And then 2010, I really started um, progressing into thinking of myself as a farmer and, and farming here. And so... We started the. I started going to farmers market, and, and Amber and I started the CSA um, the following spring, in the spring of 2011. So it's you know over over a decade now of running the CSA, which is community supported agriculture, a you know, box of vegetable subscription service, um, and it's just been it's been glorious. You know, like I said, it has always been home, and and so the land kind of I, I don't know, it kind of runs in the blood. Yeah, and how many of your family members live on or near that land? Uh, let's see, uh, uncles, aunties, cousins, pops, uh, nephew, brother, five, a dozen or 15 of us now, uh, let's see, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, yeah, 14, I think. Wow, it's a real, it's a real family venture. We're squadron for sure, yeah, And, (laughs) and you know, it goes back to. You know, the original days of, of, you know, my dad was in the Army, and he's, they got these cassettes they're shipping back and forth uh, with the family talking about, you know, this plan of, because he was from Southern California. He was raised in the San Gabriel Valley. And, you know, they were kind of seeing the transition from orange groves to suburban And really, you know, kind of this idea of the back-to-the-land movement, this idea of getting out of the city, of raising children, in the, you know, in, in, on the land. And... Um, and so they sort of made this plan of like, okay, we're going to all move up to San Jose, and that's going to be kind of the jump-off point to like look around and see where we can find. And you know, they wanted uh, flat land with good water for farming, and well, they got these really steep, arid parcels with no, you know, there's no blue line stream. There's a small spring, uh, and and no flat. <laughs> and we got some Bell Springs flat here and there, but <laughs> no real flat. Uh, but you know, it's, it's an incredible place to be in and the land was cheap at the time. It was $8,000 for a 20 acre parcel. And so, um, uncles, aunties, grandma, folks all bought parcels. And so there's, there are four parcels all right up against each other. These long skinny strips is 20 acre parcels. Uh, and so there's, there's, you know, like I say, a whole bunch of us and then we're kind of doing our thing and it's, um, a good place to be yeah it sounds lovely what's going on on the farm right now it's you know october 20th it's i think it was 90 yep. degrees when i left ukiah but it is the fall technically so you're you know moving into fall winter what what are your late season crops what are you planting for the winter yep yeah so it's you know it being october 20th it's October, so we're you know probably three quarters of the way through the cannabis harvest um looks to be a really solid crop we're super happy with it uh, winter squash and pumpkins are starting to come in. So we're starting to clear some bed space, which is good because I got a whole slew of brassica that are going to go in the ground. So we're getting ready to plant, you know, cauliflowers, cabbages, broccolis, all those, you know, they're in three inch pots right now. Uh, most of them are going to go into hoop houses over the winter. We've kind of, for the most part, we're done with our outdoor plantings of, of winter brassica. Um, can still do some kales and stuff like that but the heading crops have a little bit of a struggle if they're getting planted this late i'd like to get them in the ground earlier for um for overwintering outside but as we clear bed space in the hoop houses both from from cannabis and from vegetables 
Um, we're starting to replant. So I'm sowing a lot of salad mixes right now, a lot of like uh, bok choy, tatsoi, Asian greens. Um, also sowing uh, turnips, you know, salad turnips, radishes, beets. Uh, pretty much done sowing carrots for the winter. And um, let's see what else. Uh, that's a lot. You got a lot that, going on. That's about the bulk of the plantings for the time being. We just had, we've been having a lot of trouble with wild pigs this year, and they just managed to, to kind of rototill a couple of my um, my summer crop greenhouses. So the tomatoes, peppers, uh, eggplants are all coming out a little sooner than expected. Um, and so we're going to be replanting those over the next few weeks. We're all starting to, you know, we're kind of doing, we're going to do a little bit of, um, of cut flowers in the, in the winter hoop house. Amber's been doing bouquets pretty successfully uh and so there's always kind of this this sort of battle for for bed space like who gets what how much bed space where um and there's you just you never have enough hoop house space it's just never never enough so we're always trying to figure out uh kind of playing with different strategies in terms of like you know for instance for a while i was direct seeding all of the salad mix and i was kind of having a little trouble with germination on the lettuce um the asian greens germinate just fine but the lettuce i was having a little trouble with and, and and so I've gone back to starting the lettuce in trays and then transplanting it out, which is a little more laborious, but it saves bed space. It saves about three weeks of bed space, um, which can be really super helpful in a rapid rotation system. So um, definitely, you know, really focusing on the winter hoop, what the winter hoop house crop plan is going to look like, especially as the uh, as the. Uh, you know, the, the rest of the cannabis comes out and, and it's always kind of hit or miss up here because you never know, like our first frost date is almost always a couple of months after the valley floor, um, you know, generally sometime around Thanksgiving. And so a lot of times the, the summer crops will run quite long. Um, and so then, like I said, with some, some pig damage, that throws things into a little bit of a, like, oh, I didn't really expect that. Um so I'm kind of shifting my, my crop planning and stuff. I'm going to do some direct seeding in those hoops um, now that I've got a, a better fence set up around it. I had electric set up around it, but they pushed through the electric. Yeah, those pigs are real um, tenacious. What do you, I mean, this might not be a kosher question, but do you hunt them? Like, is that one oh, yeah. of your your methods to keep the population in control? Yeah, and what we did was we it, there's a fairly simple permitting process with with Department of Fish and Wildlife to build a hog trap, um, and once you build a hog trap, you have some some permit. Yeah, I mean some uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, you got to tell them uh, some reporting reporting requirements. That's, re- yeah. that's I'm like, well, uh, so yeah, you got some reporting requirements, and so anytime like you you are successful in the pig trap, um, and I you know I had not I haven't really said it much this summer. They kind of been around the neighborhood, but. Uh, my dog's been doing a really good job. And then, uh, you know, for whatever reason, well, I, I can tell you the, re- the main reason was that I screwed up and left the electric off. Uh, and once they got through it, they figured <laughs> they out know. that they could. And yep. so, yeah, ex- exactly. So that was that was my mistake. So now um, I set the pig trap. Didn't catch anything last night, but we'll see how it goes moving forward. They're good eating. They're better. They're better. Like once you get to this time of year, the acorns have started to drop. There's more food sources. Uh, they're a little... They're a little rough in the summertime, but this time of year... They're, they're a little gamey. Good. They make good sausage. Definitely good sausage. Um, well, you mentioned what winter crops you grow, but what is kind of your like overall winterizing philosophy or approach to the farm? You know, it's, it's interesting because it's kind of shifted a bit over the past few years. Like, for the longest time, it was basically like cover crop everything no matter what. Um, and so, you know, most of the time... Uh, 
most cover crop blends are is it, the basic cover crop crop blend is from the balusters. It's an organic soil builder mix um, that's bell beans, uh, peas, field peas, and oats. Uh, sometimes you'll get vetch also, depending on the mix. And, and so for the longest time, we were just sowing that and adding mustard to it for the bees. And we started finding that, you know, the mustard and the field peas are both the pea shoots from, and, and the mustard leaves are, are great, um, are very edible um, and are a highly nutritious early spring harvestable mix. And so for a while there, I was harvesting them with the greens harvester and then having to pick out the oat shoots, which is just is very very time consuming and it, it makes sense if you like you got nothing else to put on your table and you need something you're kind of willing to go above and beyond but um having had success with you know with sales of the you know like i say the pea shoot mustard blend um i started focusing more on on edible cover crops and and moving away from some of the grass-based cover crops you know so for instance the oats is, is they're really great for um soaking up extra nitrogen and they're really great for putting down a heavy root mass, uh, making a bunch of biomass that's going to be incorporated into the soil. So the, the oats are especially good for, for soil building. But a lot of the beds here at this point after, you know, 10, 12 years of intensive rotation and cover crop are, they're, they're good. The, the soil is super porous. It's rich and black. And so I'm not so, I'm not so geared towards soil building in those specific areas at this point so now i'm shifting more towards you know for instance we'll do just a straight pea shoot blend um a straight field pea blend which is you know and that way I've, i can just mow the pea shoots with the with the greens harvester um same thing like i'm also i'm tending to mix in like if i have leftover veggie seeds uh i'll blend those in to the pea sh to the field peas and so i can sow just a straight edible cover crop that i can harvest really easily without having to pick out oat shoots and anything like that um, so, you know, cover crop is, is a key part of winterizing the farm. I'm also, you know, we do a lot of animal production. Well, I wouldn't say we do. We do a small amount of quite a few different animals. Um, right now we have rabbits, pigs, uh, and, uh, and, uh, laying hens. And then we often also have like turkeys, ducks, uh, and meat birds. So I'm always trying to find fresh forage for animals. And so one of the, one of the strategies, you know, we, we interplant, um, on the edges of the beds, we got a lot of cut banks, a lot of terraces because everything's sloped here. So I plant all the cut banks in um, alfalfa, in borage, in comfrey. There's a lot of uh, the, there's a, a whole lot of mallow that every, anybody gardens around here knows. I love mallow. Mallow is phenomenal. It can be it's tenacious. It can be a pain in the but uh, it's it's pretty great. Um, and especially like the rabbits love it. Comfrey, you know, it's interesting because it's like just finding the different preferences of different animals. Like the pigs really won't eat comfrey. They just don't, they don't seem to care about it at all. Uh, but rabbits and chickens totally love it. Uh, the rabbit mallow seems to be pretty much like one of the rabbits favorite things to eat. So, uh, in looking at winterizing the farm, you know, I want to get cover crop down on the beds, whether it's or winter crops in. And so as we've, you know, we're kind of, we've been doing year round markets the last couple of years. Sometimes we take a break here or there, depending on, how the crops are, you know, what the drought's like. It's we're doing market this winter, um, so I'm planting a lot of bed space to 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 food crops, and I'm doing less cover cropping this year, and I'm kind of focusing on any beds that we've that we've created in the last say five years are still getting cover cropped, whereas the older beds that are a little more uh, that the soil's already really nice, 
um, those are pretty much just doing winter food crops in. And so, um, you know, I want to get the food crops in early enough that they get big before the winter storms come, partially so that, the, you know, the crops are more durable, also partially so that we have good ground cover. Personally, we did a lot of mulching. We've, we've backed off on some of the mulching this year. I mean, not this year, but over the past couple of years, uh, in part because of pest pressure. You know, you tend to see more mulch can often equal more pests, more pests in terms of uh, slugs, roly-polies, etc. Yeah, it's nice habitat for them. It's, yeah, and, it, and habitat is great. Habitat is important, you know, so it's, it's always, you're always kind of seeking this balance. And, and so one of the things that we've been kind of trying to do is, is if I can get the winter crop big enough that it kind of shelters the soil, then I don't have to worry so much about mulching. And so um, when we do winter cover crops, we tend to have enough detritus left from, you know, in the spring planting after we grind it all up, that there's a bit of a mulch layer over the top of the soil anyway. And that kind of slowly decomposes over the course of the year. Um, and then when we get around to sowing cover crop in the fall and, and you know, the best time to sow, like the, the perfect time to sow cover crop is August because then you get these really rich, thick stands. But it's really never too late. Like we've sown it as late as the end of November. And so long as it doesn't get like, as the weather doesn't get really bad right away when you first sow it, it'll, it'll come on and it'll, it'll kind of it'll slowly limp along. And then in January and February, it'll kind of take off. So um, it, it's, there's, never a, there's never a bad time to get cover crop in the ground unless you're going to get, you know, last year, this was a classic last year, like, we sowed, and then the next week we got 12 inches of snow that sat on the ground for 10 days, and that didn't work out all that good for us. But for the most part, we've had pretty good success with, um, with sowing cover crop whenever we get to it. And the idea is, you know, you want to prevent erosion. You want to pre- prevent nutrients by soaking up any leftover nutrients that are in the bed, and you want to be able to have ground cover. You want living roots in the soil at all times so that you're feeding the soil micro- you know, microbiology. And... Uh, and the nice thing, you know, cover crop makes really great forage. And so the, the comfrey will run into, you know, December or so, and then it'll die back and go dormant for the winter. The mallow is always available. It stays green all winter, but at, at a certain point, you've kind of hammered it pretty good. And, you know, so usually February, March, when there isn't a whole lot to feed the animals, I can go and just start cutting sections of cover crop and, and um, into totes and just taking those straight to the animals. And so that it works out really, really well in terms of a forage paradigm. Um, and then as you get into March, April, May, you start having those big brassica leaves again and stuff until you get back to comfrey again. So it's kind of a, a rotation, a loop cycle with, you know, for animal forage. Yeah, I was going to um, say, it sounds like you're working toward sort of a closed loop farm system. As much as possible, you know, and, and it's partially because, you know, it's like I want the more that I can raise forage and harvest it here, um, then I'm sequestering carbon and I'm lowering my carbon footprint for animal production. So there's, you know, there's there's that aspect, which is which is pretty important to me. But it also is, you know, more and more as time goes on, it's the bottom line aspect of feed costs continue to be more expensive. Um, you know, well, we've touched on it briefly already but like cannabis prices are way down and so for us on the farm you know we can't it's it's kind of coming out of this sort of store oh yeah the things i need i just go buy and kind of returning to a you know i think a a a, a more traditional mentality of like the things i need i need to make barter uh figure out how to participate in a cycle with other local people and and it's been interesting to see you know we kind of we have a, a land partnership uh, on the old ranch a couple doors up from us and so we're raising animals we're kind of working in concert with other people and 
you know, so everybody's kind of bringing, you know, if there's apple drops, somebody's got apple trees, we're bringing apple drops to feed to the pigs. We're getting, you know, blown out zucchinis all of a sudden instead of trying to lock my doors, my car doors <laughs> in August so I don't get big squash. I'm like, yeah, bring me some big squash. It's great. The pigs love them. And, and so you do, you kind of, you know, close loop this idea, uh, you know, of, of this kind of traditional way of farming that, that nothing goes to waste, that there's always something to be done with everything and it all kind of connects is, is something that I relish. And I, it's, I feel like I, I deepen into a little more each year and, and that feels really good. Let's take a second to reintroduce you. This is the Farm and Garden Show. I am your host, Elizabeth Archer. My guest today is Casey O'Neill, who co-operates Happy Day Farms, which in uh, his description is a micro-diversified farm in northern Mendocino County, uh, which is a fancy way of saying they grow a lot of stuff uh, and raise a lot of animals. They have two acres um, of sun and earth and Dempier certified vegetables, poultry, and medical cannabis. Thank you so much for joining us today, Casey. Casey, is it's a market day for Casey, uh, so we're going to yep. lose you in about seventeen minutes. Um, and so I'd love to have an opportunity to talk about um, the 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 scare you had with the fire over the summer. This is really the time to be. I mean, it it relates to winterizing because the the fall, winter, spring is when we should be preparing for fire um that is yeah. a that's an important part of of the sort of winterization process or the you know the the winter yep. chores um that we all face and i this is also it's the pledge drive and this is relevant because when there are fires in mendocino county who are you listening to for information yep kzyx, KZYX baby i mean KZYX is on nonstop for me. Anytime there's a fire or smoke, you just throw the radio on. If there's a threat, KZYX is going to let you know about it, going to let you know where it is, how big it is, what resources are on it, who needs to evacuate. Um, so, yeah, that's that's yeah. a that's a major service that KZYX is providing. And, you know, the county over the last five years has gotten a lot of different projects in the county to make sure that people can get that fire information right away. So over the years of, of trying to report out on the radio about what's happening with fires, our job has changed a lot. It's kind of evolved. And now there are more resources to get us that information more quickly, like particularly the Watch Duty app this year. It's mm -hmm. been a, a real game changer. But because of that, and with Cal Fire upping their ability to strike anything, any little flame that, that, that kicks up. So because of that, now we have to be more selective about, about, what, the information yeah, about sure. what we report because there, there's something every day. Right, so now it's like we report to you when there are evacuation warnings, when there's something close to a town or something. But if we were to report everything that people are responding to these days, it would be almost like a scanner. 24-hour, you know? yeah. 7 coverage. And that's just because our community has gotten more muscular and more vigilant and more able to respond uh, because of the catastrophic fires that we've been experiencing. So, And this year, you know, it's been... I don't want to say anything. We've been lucky. Don't knock on wood. We've been lucky. It is. There's some rain in the forecast. Yay. 
but it you know it has been i think lucky is a good word for it it's yeah this is luck this is this is just you know okay well anyway we'll move on from that we're gonna talk about Um, casey's (laughs) i'm not gonna call it luck because you were very prepared but first it's the pledge drive we want uh to hear from you we know you're listening we know you like the content we bring we know that you've probably been getting around to donating so like we we will always be free and accessible to anyone who has a radio thanks Um, to listeners like you and we can we cannot track you it's a radio we're broadcasting and you're picking it up wherever so we don't have any any sense of who's listening or when and we will never charge you for it because it's just we're just riding on the airwaves this is a public service so you can think of us like a utility that you can pay for because you use it like you use a utility or like you use cable um you wouldn't want to not have it right you want to make sure it's here now you're going to get it whether or not you pay but it won't be here unless a good number of folks pay the utility bill for the radio station because they care about it not because they have to but because they want to and because you want to make sure kzyx is here for just what you're talking about the the fire uh information the pandemic information that we worked so hard to bring you and any other kind of immediate local information that you need to get around power outages road closures uh flooding any of that kind of thing it's just like you know you want to have your phone you want to have you know your your heat and your lights, and you want to have your radio. Well, speaking of your phone, the KZYX app, the new app, is amazing. So if you haven't downloaded that yet, you should. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I, I use it a lot. Even I, I do too. I have four radios in my house, but then, you know, sometimes I don't want to get up. Sometimes you're out of town. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're not in the listening area. If you're listening online, which there are always people listening online, kzyx.org. You don't even have to turn off the stream. Just click on over there, click the donate button, and you can fill, You can pick a, a thank you gift. You can, oh, we have new t-shirts for this pledge drive, yeah, and they're cool. super cute. Mm-hmm. And they have the unisex style, but also the um, a woman. Women's, a woman's style, which uh-huh, is really uh-huh. nice. And then um, you can choose that for, uh, I think that's $120, $10 a month. Sounds right. KZYX.org. And now we really are going to let Casey talk about the fire. Because again, we're winterizing things and we need to winterize our defensible space. So can you just, if it's not too harrowing, can you please walk us through what happened with the fire? And Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, about 4 o'clock on Sunday, a big cloud of smoke just to the north of me. My neighbor calls me and he says, oh, there's a fire just below Blue Rock, which is too close for comfort. Um, Not this Sunday, just to be clear. Again? It wasn't this past Sunday for people listening. No, no, no. This was was a little bit ago. Yeah. It was it was in July. Sorry. Uh, So and and so we um, we got a volunteer fire department up here. Um, We're all kind of members of it. So long. Uh, fire's moving north because the wind's moving north, so we hit it at the head, and we're kind of putting some water on some flames. Um, and then the wind shifts hard back towards the, the, the southwest, and so um, it burns immediately up to my neighbor's house. So we, we get there, um, put the flames out on his porch, uh, cut a line around his house, get it kind of contained, and then at that point, I'm like, oh, boy, my place is uh pretty much on fire so we jump in the truck we head back as i come down my driveway i can see like it's hitting my greenhouses it's about to hit the pig barn um and it's creeping you know the the fire from my house but it's, it's all pretty much up in the mix uh so we get there uh i jump out 
started putting out the greenhouse, um, and we start, you know, we deploy some garden hoses um, and start, you know, hitting it where we can with the garden hoses. And then I get the fire pump hooked up and, and running um, and deploy the fire hoses. And so at that point, it was kind of like, okay, you know, I got the sprinklers running. We got sprinklers all the way around the house. So with the sprinklers running and the fire hoses deployed, we, you know, we're, we kind of started to turn the tide a little bit for a minute. It kind of looked like our my whole farm was going to burn. It's terrifying. It was, I mean, it was the scariest thing I've ever been through. And, and it, you know, it was, on the one hand, like, we were prepared. We did have some stuff. Um, on the other hand, we got really lucky. Like, the wind pushed very, very fast and then dropped out kind of right as it started to get to my place. So um, we caught a breather, started hitting it hard, and Cal Fire showed up, too, and, with the cavalry. So um, at that point, you know, we got line all the way around. It got it contained. Got a couple of air tanker drops and um, uh, went home to have a cider. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's a well-earned that's, cider. Yeah, and that's the nice thing about, you know, you, you feel that gratitude for Cal Fire, for the firefighters. It's like, you you know, as a, as a landowner, a homeowner, a, a resident, um, a volunteer firefighter, you're going to be on scene, um, your initial attack. It's just like the professionals get there, they're going to cut you loose, and they're going to handle it. So all the mop-up, all of the, the, you know, the heavy strategic decisions later, that's all, that's all on them, and it's pretty much like you got to go hard for the first, you know, hour, half hour, however long it takes for them to get there, and then, you know, uh, all things uh, working in favor, then, you you know, you're done and you're over it. If, if the fire is continuing to spread and it's a bigger issue, that's a different story, and you may be on it for a lot longer. Um, but we got very lucky in this instance, so. And uh, what kind of, like, well. what kind of preparations had you done that made a difference, and what are you going to be doing now for next year? So, you know, the key is, like, you just chip away at it a little bit every year. And so, like, one year we got a fire tank. We got a 5,000-gallon tank that's just dedicated, always full, specifically for fighting fire with. Um, and then, and, and that was, you know, with a, with a hookup for Cal Fire to draw from. So it's just a tank with a hookup. The next year we got a pump so that then we could push some water and we got a couple of fire hoses. The year after that, I ran a bunch of inch and a half, I buried a bunch of inch and a half PVC to, to a Rainbird sprinkler the house so that when I start the fire pump, I can push the fire hoses and I can run the sprinklers all the way around the house. Um, the fire tank's daisy-chained into my ag system, which is usually a 5,000, <laughs> depending on how full it is. So we have as much as 10,000 to be able to fight fire with immediately on tap. You know, the minimum 5,000, possibly as much as 10,000, depending on where the ag tank is that day, how much it's, you know, how much water's been used out of it. So, you know, the idea is, you know, the first main thing, water that Cal Fire can access so they can refill their engines because if they have an engine, you know, it's, it all comes down to like, you want your place safe enough that Cal Fire will station an engine there. To do right, right. Because they're not so coming you to help you if it's not defensible. Their job is triage and you can't expect them to put themselves in a, in a, in a place where they could be hurt. So if your place is super overgrown or it's, you know, it's th that there isn't enough defensible space or there isn't water, you know, then they're going to be less because the thing is is like when there's a fire like it's everything is crazy and so they're coming through making snap judgments like save it leave it save it leave it and so you want it to be really clear that your place is a place they'll be safe and that they can successfully defend so that they station an engine there um and and so that was always that was kind of my goal in, in doing the preparations um you know, I'm, I'm going to say that I, I had, I should have cut more grass. I should have cleared more brush. Um, and you can always do more. And so that definitely, uh, 
bad pun lit a fire under me. Um, and so we're going to be doing a lot of that this winter, a lot more clearing brush, just pushing it back away. You know, and it's, it's also one of those things you just got to upkeep because, you know, we're in the chaparral, so there's a lot of manzanita, you know, manzanita grows five years later it's back um so just staying on top of it and and one of the nice things about you know we were kind of talking about closing loops um all of the detritus of the biomass becomes great basis for hubel culture for you know essentially we do a lot of hubel trenches so we dig trenches with a machine um and they just fill it up with all the waste all of the biomass all of the brush all of the clearing all of that stuff can just and all your like your compost making uh, animal bedding, leftover manure, all that stuff can just go into the trench and then you put the soil back over the top and you got a nice new garden bed. Uh, and it's a great way of, of, of getting two birds stoned at once. <laughs> um, what are you noticing in the areas that did burn? Like, are things growing in that you haven't, you know, seen in a long time? Did you get some fireweed? Is it too early to really tell what's, what's going what's gonna to come into that space that burned? It's too early still. Like, we got some good rain in, in um, September that kind of started things growing, but um, still too early to tell right now. Everything's kind of slow um, because it dried out and got so hot again. So sure. I, you know, I definitely did start to come back up, which was really nice, um, but definitely still, you know, hoping on some good rain in the next week or so that kind of talking about maybe. There's there's some in the forecast. We'll see if it uh if it materializes. We can all cross our fingers definitely for that. Definitely fingers crossed. Um, well, we just have a couple minutes left with you, and so I want to ask for folks who are listening who maybe haven't done a lot of winterization or thought about cover crops or their soil health necessarily. What are a couple maybe like easy or doable tips you would give for people who are interested in winterizing? You know, maybe their own backyard garden beds. Great. You know, the thing with cover crop is like it's it pays for itself time and again. Like it's it's so good for the soil. Um, it, it it's it's just stunning what a couple of years of cover crop will do for your soil. So um, you can go any of the nurseries. You know, Weathertop and Laytonville, Spare Time and Willow. They stock the, the organic soil builder, the OSB from Labalisters. And if you just tell them you want the cover crop seed, they, they'll know what you're talking about. Um, and so you can, you know, there's different ways to do it. Like you can broadcast it and rake it in if it's on a bigger area. Um, a lot of times we'll, I'll under sow it, which means I just kind of take a bucket and hands and knees and like scrub it in underneath like tomato plants and stuff that are still going. Um, so anyway, like you get the seed in, you got to watch the birds, like the birds really like to come get it. So you kind of want to, you can like, you can furrow it just like you would sowing, you know, beets or something, or you can just kind of broadcast it and then rake it in real good. You can put some straw over the top of it. Um, same thing. The birds are going to kind of like to scratch through it. Uh, sometimes what we'll do is we'll put down uh, a floating row cover, either the insect netting or the remay, that'll it'll kind of deter the birds until the cover crop gets up and germinated. Uh, but it's it's pretty basic. It's you know you're just kind of sowing some seeds and getting them into the ground so that they'll sprout and grow. You got to give them some water if you, you know if you're not running irrigation right now. You want to water it until um, until it gets wet. You get it you know get it germinated, get it up and going, uh, and then mulch is all. Oh, you know, the thing with mulch is you kind of want to be a little cautious about what you might also bring in. Like we definitely have had some trouble over the years with like we brought in some bindweed on some on some straw. And so, ooh, you know, it's never getting rid like of that. Can, yeah, and so anymore, like I'm much more focused on on just like harvesting comfrey and using it as mulch, or planting cover crop and growing my own mulch because it's like you definitely. Like we've brought in some trouble that I really wish I wouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, and that's the difference between using straw versus hay, right? 
or yes no? Yes and no. I mean, like, hay, hay is definitely, hay contains, contains the seed head, so you're going to get all of the, the various, uh, whatever the components of the hay was. But even with straw, you're still going to bring in a certain amount. Um, and, and that was, you know, traditionally we used rice straw because you didn't really see as many weed seeds. You, you see rice, but you don't see as much like noxious weeds come in and like for instance we got some organic weed straw a couple years ago that definitely came in with some star thistle and some uh some bindweed and Mm. so you're basically you know even in straw when the whatever the crop whether it's rice wheat whatever there's still going to be some weeds in that field um and and you know or there aren't because some sort of gnarly herbicide was sprayed so it's kind of right kind of hit or miss one so that's why we always go with the organic straw because we don't want the herbicide load but in general, I think at this point, for my, my two cents, like rice straw is much better than, than wheat or oats. And what you're describing, you know, buy some cover crop from your local nursery, some seed, yep. rake it in or broadcast it and, you know, cover it with a, a light layer of soil or straw. That's very, yep. very doable. It's pretty simple. And, and then you get this really lush, vibrant stuff that'll so- soap up, soak up any leftover nutrients it'll keep the soil microorganic population super happy over the winter it provides habitat and food source it's great it's just i mean it's and it and it increases the porosity of your soil it increases the tilth it's just it's phenomenal well we have to let you go thank you so much casey o'neill of happy day farms for joining us today if you are interested in learning more about happy day farms you can find them on instagram at happy day farms or online at happy day farms and stay tuned for more episodes of your podcast when can when can listeners expect those uh we're gonna start recording this winter you know as soon as harvest winds down so We'll probably start recording sometime in November, start releasing episodes mid-December to early January. Definitely super excited about season two. It's going to be awesome. So that's another one of your winter winter chores, winter tasks. Winter projects. Yeah, that's a fun, <laughs> that's a fun one, too, especially when it's like really lousy outside. You can just be inside doing some podcasts, that's talking right. to cool people. So it's fun. Cool. And that's well, Living with the Land, and you can find it at livingwtland.com. And you'll also hear it right here on KZYX and Z when, uh, when they're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Casey. I know it's a market day for you, so um, thanks for taking the time, and we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Much love, y'all. All right. That was Casey O'Neill. Um, and we're going to pivot a little bit. Uh, I'm now being joined in the studio by what? What's your title? News director? I am the news director. The news director by our new news director, <laughs> Victor Palomino. Thank you so much for coming in to sit with me for these last couple minutes. Thank you. It's been uh, our. T- what is day? I, I, I forgot what day it is, but we are in our full pledge drive. So pledge drive. I'm happy to be here it's again happening. at the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was very excited to finally meet you in person today. That is what I get for coming to Philo. Mm-hmm. I usually am in the Ukiah studio. Um, but you and I are fans of each other because we listen to each other's content. I know. I've been enjoying your uh, show and the great conversations and the great interviews that you have in the Farm and Garden show. Like, for some reason, every time that I drive in, it's like you're there on the radio. And it's I mean, it's, it's three o'clock on like a Thursday. A, yeah. <laughs> And it becomes one of like the, those uh, driving moments where you don't want to leave your car because there's something interesting happening on the radio. I feel the same way about your segments. And also, I 
I'm obviously a native English speaker, but I speak Spanish as well. And it's been really cool hearing Spanish on KZYX because we do have a large Spanish speaking population. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such an important service that KZYX is starting to provide. Yeah, thank you. And it's an ongoing experiment on how to create bilingual content, you know, and and, and I have had that uh, uh, coming from a lot of English speakers that is is refreshing for them to have the opportunity to listen uh, English and Spanish mm -hmm. follow, so they can have an idea of, of, of and for me it's also special to have people have the idea of what is it to be in a bilingual world and in, in a bilingual context like for a lot of people here in our community and a lot of communities around the United States you live with a translator or you depend on somebody that is going to have to tell you what's going on around you for many immigrants their kids are those translators sure. that help us to go around and for other people they are learning the language they are their own translator they're translating everything on their heads so it's it's, it's it's an interesting part of this process of of start learning and experimenting how is it to create bilingual content i mean i love it and my husband loves it he's you know trying to learn spanish and our daughter is a kindergartner and she's in a bilingual program mm. so we really appreciate the content you're Thank bringing you. us yeah. um, and hiring you was part of KZYX's ambitious plan to increase local news and one of the ways we were able to do that is through pledge drives mm -hmm. just like this one so we would love to take your money in the last 10 minutes of the show we know that you're listening and you like what you hear and we are so grateful for all of the positive feedback we get from you and we we would love to get some some financial feedback from you as well. You can also go online to kzyx.org. Um, if you go online, you can see all of the sort of, I don't want to call them rewards, but there's different levels that if you donate. The thank you. The thank you objects. gifts. That's yeah. right. That's right. There's some really great ones. There's t-shirts. There's a cool mug. Um, there's gift certificates to local businesses. Mm -hmm. I think you can get like a New Yorker magazine subscription. Yes. So it's good stuff. You can have uh, some uh, cards for the local businesses. Like yeah, like Black Oak, Black Oak Coffee. Coffee. Exactly. exactly. My exclusive coffee provider. <laughs> yeah. And there's a nice uh, socks, KCYX socks for people that are getting ready to the winter. There Cozy. We have some yeah, warm socks that you can have and you can show the KCYX logo there. So. Yeah, we're talking about winter winterization today. Winterize your feet, That's listeners. Personal winterization. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alicia mentioned earlier in the show um, that I have been expanding a little bit on the fifth Thursdays of Farm and Garden. I do a special installment, uh, which I always introduce as, you know, where we talk about neither farming nor gardening, mm -hmm. which was just sort of a cool thing that I had talked to Alicia about when I first started a year ago. And she is incredible and gave me permission to run with it. And I've done some really interesting shows um, that are very personal to me mm -hmm. and you when i walked in you mentioned that you caught my last one yes. which was with a very cool guest um their name is brian guffey and one of the reasons i was able to get brian on the air with me is because kzyx has you know a reputation it's we might be a small community but I mean, we're a large county, but population-wise, we're small. But people listen to KZYX all over, mm -hmm. 
and you know Brian did a little digging into it I'm and I, I assume and thought yeah this is this is worth an hour of my time to reach this audience and it's because it's been 33 years and in 33 years your audience move around you know and it's not only Mendocino County right totally. now radio can be heard stream all over the world and in 33 years you can acquire a lot of uh, listeners so right now we are counting on you to help us continue and have another 33 years of creating community radio creating radio with your um, friends neighbors and all volunteering day time of their day to have these airways full of Mendocino voices is is something amazing and actually today is the community media day Today so is Community Media Day. Community Media Day. So what a great way to celebrate with a pledge drive. Go to the website <laughs> kcyx.org, and you can help us keep this community radio station, public radio station, on the air for another. 33 years. That's right. And the goal for this pledge drive is $100,000, which probably seems ambitious, but those are the very real operating costs for the next six mm -hmm. months. There's no fat in that budget. That is what we need to run the station. It is a lot of moving parts that you don't see on the air but behind the scenes especially in the news department we have uh community reporters and stringers that are helping us to try to cover as many places as we can in the county uh everybody have a microphone we have digital recorders all this equipment that we need to use to be able to be out there in the community recording that everything cuts money so we need your help to be able to bring you what's going on in the county well, what's going on in mendocino we know listeners value local news i am a listener and i certainly value local news mm -hmm. um it's real time you know newspapers are wonderful but they come out the next day mm -hmm. and or even in some cases days later and there are things happening in our community in real time and kzyx keeps us up to date on what's happening and that is a, such an incredible service and the only way we can provide that is because listeners donate money um, so that we can keep doing that kind of those stories and expanding the mm -hmm. stories that we're doing one of the uh, projects that brought me here that was really interesting for me to be part of is the work and the coverage that we're doing during emergency situations mm -hmm. especially during fire so totally. when I came here for my interview and that was part of like what we talk about and they show me what they were doing the, the years before and the fact that we are we have to cover not only the English speakers but also in this case the Spanish speakers that, that we have the possibility to translate in house and it's not as like we did before that we have to rely on interpreters that is great that we have a group of interpreters in the community that can volunteer but now we can do it right now those are the things that can only happen in community radio you know and Absolutely. And, and radio becomes a, like that source of information when there is an emergency sometimes cell phones don't work you're television is not going to work radio might be your only source of information that hand crank radio we all have in our emergency kits exactly and the airwaves are going to be there so th th projects like that is what makes me like value community radio the work that we do and uh and the passion that we everybody that is in here put into getting all that not only that emergency information but also music also uh, public affairs programs like yours all that information that you can 
not find anywhere else but here in KCYX. Well, and a lot of programmers, myself included, are volunteers. And one of the reasons we so enthusiastically volunteer and, and you know, donate our time. And the show is one thing, but there's also the research that goes into the show. Mm. Ahead of time, you got to get your, you know, find your guests and put together your questions. And like I was saying on my last Fifth Thursday show, that was a big show for me. My, I, you know, my guest was a stranger to me. They are an international educator. They were a big deal to mm-hmm. have on. And it was a really sensitive subject. We talked about you know fat phobia we talked about racism and ableism and homophobia and it was just this very expansive program and one of the reasons that i put myself out there in that way is because i know people are listening i know it's a value that i can provide to the community um and i just know what a great resource kzyx is and i'm i'm proud to be part of that and i'm sure people listening that are a lot of our listeners are sustaining members i'm a sustaining member i know you're also proud to be part of this community and if you have it in the budget this month we would love it if you could make if you are a sustaining member just a one-time gift this month would be really helpful to get us to our goal and yeah we hope to hear from you yeah and that show that you mentioned that was an incredible show and i learned so much and that's one of the things about this community right you can learn so much and uh, I'm, I'm very I like to investigate and learn more about like issues of race and and, and how it ties to our society and I don't th- I think I never make that connection or in my brain about like how white supremacy affects also or had effect the way people look so sure. talking about like how churches is starting to have that standard for the woman to be thin and all that and as it's a like, proxy for whiteness yeah I was like yeah. Ooh, okay and those are the moments where you are like oh this is why we have community right this is why we have the station because you can learn something well it can be scary to bring that kind of content too but i honestly get nothing but positive feedback and Mm -hmm. that is so encouraging because people want this kind of information you know it's not local news but it is certainly um relevant information for folks it's educational it's educational for me i learned a lot during that show um and i put myself out there because i know i have the same questions that other people have and i'm willing Uh to uh embarrass myself or make mistakes stakes publicly uh, for the benefit of all so it's been so nice being with you here today thank you victor thank you for coming in in my last couple minutes this has been the farm and garden show i'm your host elizabeth archer stay tuned now for democracy now this has been a production of mendocino county public broadcasting kzyx philo 90.7 fm kzyz willits and ukiah 91.5 fm and fort bragg at 88.1 fm you can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner thank you for listening